Take that! Welcome to Hunting Humbug 101 with me, Theo Clark, and I'm joined again, as per usual, with Ben Reschlag. Hey, Theo, how are you doing today? Really good. This is episode number three, which was originally planned to be one about uh, factoid propagation, but of course, um, me not being particularly good at mathematics, calendars, and things like that, I didn't really plan it out very well, because I'm going to talk about that at the Brisbane Skeptic Camp conference and on the off chance that there is one or two people listening to this who are also going to be at Brisbane Skeptic Camp I decided I don't want to give too let too many much of the cats out of the bag uh, for that talk so I'm going to put that one back to episode number five so that was the one where we looked at um, uh, I think the clip we put up was about the 10% brain myth in the first episode so that one will be appearing in episode number five so in this episode what I want to look at is uh, false balance so false balance didn't get a full entry in the book. Uh, it was a part of false compromise. Um, uh, sorry, a part of stacking the deck, not false compromise. And I probably will, I think, give it its own entry in maybe version 2.1 of the book. One of the good things about an ebook is you can update it. Uh, and so I'll probably update and give, I think, false balance its own entry because it is something that's quite prevalent in the media. Um, but what I'll do for this section uh, is just cover the tiny bit of false balance that is in the section on stacking the deck. Uh, we have done stacking the deck in one of the original episodes, so we won't be doing that for a while when I publish, republish an original episode. But I'll just do a little bit about false balance from uh, the section on stacking the deck. False balance is a related concept to stacking the deck. It is an accepted truism that there are two sides to every story. As a consequence, TV journalists often feel a need to find an individual who holds the opposite view of the main topic of the story. They do this in the name of balance. In many cases, this is legitimate and fair-minded. However, in a report on, say, childhood immunization rates, the cranks are often given equal or even more time than is representative of their view, thus providing the report a false balance. It gives the appearance of a real controversy where there is none. Giving the actual balanced view would result in the expert being given, say, two minutes of screen time and the anti-vaxxer a one-second clip of an outtake in which they didn't realise they were being recorded and are scratching themselves somewhere inappropriate. Okay, so that was a little section from the book on uh, false balance. Yes, it was. Now, what is the first example we are going to give of this, Theo? Well, I think so. I mean, I think the obvious one is to talk about something that's been going on in Australia quite a lot in the last, say, five, six years, and that's looking at the uh, anti-vaxxers, and that's been something that has um, uh, the Australian skeptics, for example, have been really fantastic at dealing with, and certainly in the media over the last five, six years, that false balance has started yeah, to disappear, which has been fantastic. definitely been a change in uh, the, the media discourse about how they cover this sort of thing. Yeah. It's, it's like the message has finally broken through that these people are only a very small minority and they just don't have the evidence backing their claims. Yeah, and, and they don't, not just, which is certainly important, but they don't have, one of the issues is the, the whole idea of, um, people who have no expertise being given that's treated right, yeah. equally with people who have expertise. And so that's happened with certainly the leader of the anti-vax movement in Australia, Meryl Dory, has been yeah. on everything. But she has 
she does her own research on the internet, and we all know how well that can work yeah, out. The University of Google. <laughs> well, and the, the thing about it really that bothers me, and we'll get into the example in a second, is the presumption or the um, arrogance of thinking you don't need to go to a university. You know, it's almost that um, uh, the you're, you're ignorant and you're proud, you know, yeah, if I haven't the, gone and got the formal qualifications. It's the Dunning-Kruger effect, isn't it? People are unaware of the, the level of their own ignorance. Yeah. Well, and for, for um, people who don't know, you should definitely go look up the Dunning-Kruger effect. And I say that hoping that I'm not a victim of it myself. <laughs> and we There's will, always I, that worry. Yeah. Well, and, and I think I talked about the Dunning-Kruger effect in, I think it maybe was in Simple-Minded Certitude or something like that in the book, but... But the um the key e- issue with the Dunning Kruger effect is, and and the the original paper they did on it was that people who were not good at something were so not good that they weren't able to tell that they weren't good. Yeah, they, so it's like a vicious cycle. They they basically don't know what they don't know. Yeah, and that gives them a false sense of confidence. Yeah, and now you've gotten us totally off yeah, track. Sorry. So let's keep going. No, no, let's keep going. <laughs> which is so the the original study what they did was they I think it was to do with maybe grammar and written expression. Um, but So they had, must have, as per usual, been university students in these studies. They looked at uh, how they went on... They had to, that's right, they had to write some sentences or something like that or do some task involving grammar. They then had to evaluate how well they think they did uh, in, in comparison to other people. And they had to rate themselves, you know, in what percentile. And I think the average was about in the 60th or 70th percentile. Most people said, I'm probably in the... 65th percentile, that kind of area. And then what they did was they were allowed to see how other people performed. Sorry, they were then given all the, some responses that was, they weren't told how well they went and look at how well everyone else did. And the people who were actually pretty good had originally rated themselves to be worse than they really were. Once they saw everyone else's, they said, oh, actually, no, I'm a bit better. So they then rated themselves up, let's say the 80th percentile. The people who were in the bottom 25% 25% still rated themselves in the top 60%. So they looked to see everyone else's work and were unable to even tell yeah. because they didn't know what they didn't know. So they still thought they were pretty good. Yeah. So ignorance of one's ignorance is the malady of ignorance, my favourite expression like that. Oh, it's, uh, it's like uh, everyone thinks they're an above-average driver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, as, as you know, Ben, only a few of us such as myself are. Uh, <laughs> But you know, it's it is that 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 issue with the um, yeah, the ignorance of your own ignorance is the malady of ignorance, and so you do have to always. It's the ability. It's metacognitive ability yeah. when you reflect on your own thing, and and so it's the arrogance of ignorance is a way I like to phrase it. And so a lot of the anti-vaxxers think because I've done my research, but they don't. Anyway, we'll we'll get into that in a moment. Let's let's have a listen to um this clip, and this first one is an example from um a local Channel Seven uh. So Channel Seven is one of the major free-to-air networks in Australia, and they, one of their um, rural networks, did a story uh, on immunisation, and it pretty clearly shows an example of some false balance. So let's have a listen to that now. About 91% of Australian kids are vaccinated. Western Australia sits just under that at 88%. Now the West Australian government wants to boost that to stop outbreaks like measles and rubella. We need to make sure children's immunisation rates um, are the highest that they can possibly be. The Pilbara, goldfields and a few pockets through our Midwest, Wheatbelt and Southwest are 5% or more below the national average. 
we actually know that, that of that 10 to 15 percent of kids who don't get vaccinated, there's only 2 to 3 percent whose parents actively choose not to get vaccinated. Judy Wileyman has a master's in science and is studying a PhD in vaccination policy. She says parents need more information on the benefits and risks of immunisation. All vaccines have adverse reactions and over that decade where they were using these strategies of increasing participation rates, um, the chronic illness in children skyrocketed. Judy says nutrition and hygiene are the keys to resisting disease. With any infectious disease, the more we're exposed to it, the less virulent it becomes because we adapt to it as well. Corey Fitch for GWN7 News. So that's a beautiful example of some false balance. Is that is she serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Judy Wileyman, uh, you know, I hadn't heard of her until this, but she is now doing a PhD around government policy around vaccination, and again, another classic, uh, similar to the um, the Australian uh, Anti Vaccination Network, who have now called themselves the uh, Vaccination Skeptic Network. Uh, because they were forced to change their name. They were forced to change their name, yeah. So she has her own website called vaccinationdecisions.net, so again implying that she's you know not an anti-vaxxer, but she's an outright anti-vaxxer. She has taken a position, and now she's doing her PhD to try and justify her I, research. I, I would say it. an anti-scientific position. As yeah, well. and she's not, and it's she's not doing it in a science area, as far as I know. She's doing it through arts or something like that. So, and it's about um, it's about her um, you know. Uh, if you go to her website, uh, you just Google her, Julie, Judy Wileyman. She says she's been a science teacher for 20 years, began researching the issue at University of Wollongong in 2004, Master's of Science degree in Population Health, Behavioural Sciences, etc., etc. Um, research project analysing the Australian government's whooping cough, uh, whooping cough policy, etc., etc. So, look, you know, I it's a classic case of... Well, in my view, it's a classic case of post hoc rationalization. Yeah, well, yeah, or even that she's proceeding from a false premise. It's like, yeah, well, she's yeah, starting from yeah. that. She's starting from that premise, you know. And yeah. look, we all do that, of course. We yeah. all have views, and we try and rationalize them and justify them. Um, but because she's getting a PhD and she's at a university yeah. now, she adds in a much bigger air of credibility. Well, she gets that um, appeal to authority, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And the and, and um, sorry, I was just going to say it's interesting that she's doing it on whooping cough actually because there's been a massive outbreak in California at the moment. Oh yeah, due to dropping um, the vaccination rate has dropped below the what's the threshold? The herd. The herd immunity. Herd level, immunity yeah, ninety five percent or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and so yeah, so that was in her masters apparently. Now she's just doing it on general policy or something like that. But the the issue is she now gives it credibility and. That's fine because yeah. with every area of science, there are credible studied researchers. So, look, I'll give her that compared yeah. to at least, you know, the other anti-vaxxers. She's actually putting her money where her mouth is and doing research, going to university, doing a PhD, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I have no idea what the quality would be like, but that's fine. Um, but the issue is the way the media reports it. And so I, I think that would be the next way to go across to the um, other thing I wanted to talk about, which is the, the false balance with climate change. Oh, yeah, it's a perfect example. Well, and it's identical. Well, they, uh, the people pushing against the uh, the mainstream consensus, they resort to the same tactics. Yeah, they, exactly. Yeah. yeah, well, and you can see these things get repeated with um, creationists, yeah. etc. They have the same kind of MO, the way they operate as well. You know, teach the controversy. Yeah. The, it, the science isn't in, you know, etc., etc. It's exact same 
um, MO for all these different areas. Yeah. And the issue with climate change is it's even easier well, to get some qualified scientists to talk about who, who are deniers yeah, who are skeptics. Uh, what do they call it? It's the FUD, the fear, uncertainty, uncertainty and, and doubt. doubt. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, and just as with this, the media will find a qualified expert who's a doctor or a professor yeah. or something like that to talk about. And so when you see someone like her who's doing a PhD talk about uh, immunization being a potential problem, it gives it credibility because she actually, as opposed to, say, just some crank from an anti-vaccine network, she actually has some qualifications. That's fine. But the problem is that's not the percentage of experts and what they think. Yeah. So this next bit, I'm sure most of our listeners would have already seen this, but I'll play it again, is uh, John Oliver um, from his new show uh, on HBO um, this week, last week tonight. Very funny if you haven't seen it. Uh, and he did a great piece about climate change and about the false balancing climate change. So I've got a little bit of an edited version of that now, but I'll put in links to the original uh, video in its entirety on uh, YouTube. So let's have a listen to that. The only accurate way to report that one out of four Americans are sceptical of global warming is to say, a poll finds that one out of four Americans are wrong about something. <laughs> because a survey of thousands of scientific papers uh, that took a position on climate change found that 97% endorsed the position that humans are causing global warming. And I think I know why people still think this issue is open to debate, because on TV, it is. And it's always one person for, one person against. And it's usually the same person for. Bill Nye and Marsha Blackburn, welcome both of you to Meet the Press. Bill Nye joins us now, along with climate change skeptic Mark Morana. Joining me now to go head-to-head, -head, Bill Nye, science educator and CEO of the Planetary Society. In the crossfire, Bill Nye, the science guy. Bill Nye, the science guy, who believes in man-made global warming. Yeah, that's right. More often than not, it's Bill Nye the science guy versus some dude. And, and when you look at the screen, it's 50-50, which is inherently misleading. If there has to be a debate about the reality of climate change, and there doesn't, then there is only one mathematically fair way to do it. Last Week Tonight presents a statistically representative climate change debate. Good evening. Joining me tonight, a climate change denier and, naturally, Bill Nye Science Guy. Uh, so, Bill. Bill. John? Yep. Humans are causing climate change? No wait, question. Wait, 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 wait. Before we begin, on, in the interest of mathematical balance, I'm going to bring out two people who agree with you, climate sceptic. And, Bill Nye, I'm also going to bring out 96 other scientists. Uh, it's a little unwieldy, but this is the only way... We can actually have a representative discussion. Uh, that is just sums it up perfectly and you always you know we're having a nice long conversation about it, but sometimes satire just cuts right to the point it does yeah the uh and it, it sums up the issue and it's actually even worse if it's really true that it is only ever bill neither science guy because it looks the other way around it looks like there's one crank who believes in and especially bill yeah. is a bit wacky one crank who believes in climate change and and the rest a bunch of different scientists that almost does the false balance the opposite direction although on the, on that question it, it does uh raise the issue of who is allowed to, who has legitimate authority to um, argue about these things. Because if you look at the 
tiny proportion of professional scientists who don't think uh, global warming is caused by humans, none of them are actually climatologists. Mm. They're yep. always, they're usually either geologists or physicists or statisticians, yep. which I find quite interesting in itself. Yeah. So, well, and so that 97% yeah. figure, as far as I know, comes from analysing peer-reviewed yeah. papers so it's not actually that explicitly endorse anthropogenic climate change somewhere in the paper. Yeah. That's it's, my it's, understanding. It's not of it. actually yeah. individual scientists, it's yeah. scientific papers. That's right, yeah. So, and, and so those scientific papers would be about something to do with climate change. Yeah. So, yeah, individual... It, and that makes, as in terms of a meta, it's a meta-analysis of opinion, I suppose. Yeah. But the opinion is the opinion of experts in that field. Yeah. So, you know, I suppose you'd get 100% if you looked at physics papers over the last 100 years that agreed that gravity is a real phenomena. Yeah. But, but, you know, apart from that, what are you going to do? Well, there is always one guy who... Yeah, of course. <laughs> well, because you, in, if you think about um, human psychology, well, that's always going to yeah. happen. Well, Oh, sorry, Athea. I was just going to say, it's. Uh, I call this phenomenon the dueling PhD. And I just need to stop you there for a second. Never apologise to me. Oh, okay. You don't normally do it. Just so don't why, do it again. Yeah. Why, why are you doing the podcast? <laughs> normally he hits me. That's what normally happens. Uh, You're much more polite now we're recording the bloody thing. <laughs> uh, we live in the age of the, the voyeurs on the internet, yeah. Theo. <laughs> you filthy voyeurs yeah. who are listening to this. Uh, but yeah, I, I call this this false balance uh, phenomenon the, the the dueling PhDs. It's because mm. they they always have to get two experts with opposing views in um, in some in the media, and yep. it doesn't necessarily equate that both of those views are equally valid. Oh well, if, well yeah, by well, definition, yeah. it doesn't. If they've got opposing yeah. views, one's probably yeah. right, or they're both wrong. It's yeah, either, that, that's well, likely... one's more correct than yeah, the other yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we just don't know. Yeah, yeah. and and it, if it goes back to the. Um, common trope in media really which is and you you know you learn this in school even there's always two sides to a yeah. story it's like not really sometimes there's one side to a story or sometimes one side is right and one yeah. side is wrong yeah and 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 in terms of your narrative structure of an a, a um media report that's why they go to it because it's much easier to write it and, yeah. and it's kind of that's people learn that's the the way you do it it's almost you know it's almost like haiku. You've got to do it this way or it's yeah. not a haiku. Yeah. Or you've got to do it this way or it's not a story. And yeah. it's like, well, actually, no, you can just fob these people off, you know, and say, no, it's not a real story. Do a story on the vaccination rates and say it's because there's idiots not vaccinating. Simple as that. Okay. Yeah. What, what was the, uh, the other... You had another clip on this too, Theo. Yeah, well, so what I wanted to talk about really was... Um, well, before we get to that, the, the last thing I really wanted to talk about, again, in Australia... Compared to other places in the world, I think we've had a very, not we, I'm not going to say, I'll say the Australian skeptics and the people involved in Friends of Science and Medicine in Australia have had a very concerted campaign to deal with this. Yeah. And it's actually been very effective. They've made politicians aware of what's going on. They've made the media aware of what's going on. And over time, the false balance to do with, uh, the anti-vaxxers has disappeared yeah. and they're really not given much credibility. There was a fantastic, uh, clip on Media Watch, which is our kind of 15-minute show once a week that looks at different dodgy yeah, stuff in the media. Yeah, it's a critique of media, yeah. basically. And I'll put a, I haven't used that in this, but I will put a link to that as well in the show notes, which outlines another example of false balance and does a really good job of pulling it apart. Um, the If you watch news reports on immunisation now, they barely ever mention um, the anti-vaxxers, or if they do, they're given 
given the five second little thing at the end that they deserve yeah yeah and and then now over time of course the the Australian uh, vaccination network have now changed have been forced to change their name was it, it was legal action didn't they they um, yeah well know, no, the office of fair trading, trading or yeah, somewhere right, like yeah, that said yeah. the ACCC or someone yeah. said you've got to change your name or in New South Wales yeah. um They've had to really cull back their website and take down a lot of the information. So this concerted yeah. campaign, which has been, it hasn't been a campaign that's been disingenuous or using false information. They're just no. the real information out and saying to the authorities, hey, yeah. look at this. This is what these guys are doing and you need to do something about it because it's causing real harm. So that that's really important. So I think it, it's a good message to any other people out there, organisations, that you can have an effect, you know, if you, especially if you can organise yourselves and so on. So... Uh, Look, the other thing I wanted to mention uh, now that we're halfway through is just to say also thank you to Richard Saunders, who um, is the president of the Australian Skeptics. Uh, he did an interview with me on the Skeptic Zone podcast a few weeks back uh, where I got to plug the book, so that was excellent. Um, so thank you to um, Richard. Uh, it, it was you know good to catch up and have a chat with him as well, and he's one of the tireless um, workers, and you also may have seen him in a KFC commercial eating some chickens as well. So that's just a, just a little tip out there. Um, so that means he's uh, you can't rely on any, anything that he says about chicken. He'll, he's yeah. paid by big KFC. Yeah, he, he can't, anything he says on chicken or agriculture. Big agriculture. Yeah, big yeah. agriculture. Yeah. He's in the back pocket, obviously. <laughs> Whereas we're in the big back pocket of big pharma because we... Oh, that, sorry, now off topic again. The other thing that I find really amusing about the whole... Um, Oh, they're doing it for money, blah blah blah. They don't make any money from vaccinations. Like it's such a tiny percentage of the money they make. Yeah, because of our evil socialist public world. Yeah, yeah. Public so they, health they make system. nothing yep. on it. So when you actually look, yeah. at it, and then you go, and of course, half the time the manufacturers of vitamins and homeopathy are also the, the big same, pharma yeah. companies. So it's like they just want to sell you stuff. So yeah. get over it. <laughs> just make sure the stuff they sell you actually works. Look, the other thing I wanted to talk about. Um, the last thing I wanted to say again, going back to that satire, uh, was some. I always like going back to a bit of Penn and Teller from their fantastic show, Bullshit. And they did a whole episode on vaccines, which is really worth watching, very amusing. They they said the, there's no balance the other way. They said normally when there's false balance, they do get a bit of a crank, a kook or a nutter who's on the, the, the anti-vaxxer side, you know, or the playboy bimbo model. And they said, well, that's not fair. We we need to have a crank a kook a nutter on the good side. So they volunteered their own services. So yep. let's have a listen to uh, Penn and Teller. Vaccination is supported by scientists, doctors, and health officials. It's opposed mostly by self-righteous celebrities, playboy models, grieving parents, and whack jobs. Science has done its best to win the fight with serious studies and real data and, you know, uh, saving lives. But somehow the whack job side is getting some traction. So we think to level the playing field, it's time for the pro-vaccination side to bring in some C-level, self-righteous, celebrity-talking-head nutjobs. And we're just the C-level, self-righteous, celebrity-talking-head nutjobs to do it. Fuck yeah! I would hope that this thing ends because it's, it's a terrible distraction. There's no reason to be afraid of vaccinating your child. Listen to your pediatrician. He has the knowledge and training, but don't don't listen to, you know, Jenny McCarthy. Sure, we've got facts, but what our side needs is a playboy model and the parent of an autistic child. Natasha, 
A dozen large, well-structured studies in America and Europe show no link between autism and vaccines. Thank you, Natasha. And now, here's bullshit writer Michael Godot and his autistic son, Joey. That's right, Natasha. Eyes forward, son. Brilliant. And that's, yeah. again, satire sometimes is just the way to do it. And the whole episode's worth watching. You know, Penn and Teller can be hit and miss sometimes, but that was a massive hit. This, um, this whole thing of using a satire as a, uh, as a device for reporting the news is very effective. And oh, yeah. I would argue that um, Oliver is actually better at this than Jon Stewart is. Is that a controversial Oh, that is a controversial <laughs> statement. But I... Look, what, what I would say is he's new. Yeah. And... He has certainly brought a much more international perspective, yeah. so I wonder if that's why we as Australians, because the thing he did on gun control was brilliant, and of course it came to Australia, so we all of Australians love it because we can't help ourselves. Then of course he did a recent thing on our Prime Minister, well, Tony Abbott. Uh, which we, again, we always love it when anyone notices outside of Australia right, that Australia yeah. exists, that's don't right. we? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Especially yeah. Americans. Yeah, and, and the thing he did on Tony Abbott was hilarious. Uh Again, this is not a political show, but our biases may slip yeah. through at some stage. I felt sorry for him. Oh, did you? Yeah. Aren't you nice? <laughs> <laughs> I don't generally feel too sorry no, for him. No, I know. In, That's what I mean. It was yeah. an unusual no, feeling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had to have a Well, yes. Yeah, no, actually, look, and to be fair, and I, and I can show you blog posts from the past about George Bush, me defending him, of all people, because the whole um, Bushisms and Tony Abbottisms, again... If you're recorded 24 hours a day, you're yeah. going to make say stupid things. And I have the benefit of being able to edit out the stupid things I say in this podcast. I leave in the stupid things Ben says, obviously. Uh, <laughs> the um, what stupid things? Yeah, well, that's right. I'll leave it to the viewers, <laughs> listeners. Please write in and explain all the stupid things that Ben said to Ben. Argue, uh, the ignorance of one is ignorance, after all. Um, so, look, the last thing I'll just plug before in this episode is the. Um, there is some good commentary around about false balance, so I'll put some other links in there. Um, Rachel Dunlop from the Australian Skeptics also did a really good uh, a column on the uh, Guardian about it, and, and as I said, that Media Watch um, clip as well and analysis of some false balance is really good. And another Australian skeptic, um, Peter um, Bowditch, did some a, a, a little a good clip about false balance on climate change about the ABC uh, Australian ABC documentary I Can Change Your Mind on Climate which was a thing with one of the Australian ex now politicians Nick Minchin travelling around with a, a climate change believer and they're trying to persuade yeah. each other so yeah Nick, for people who don't know Nick Minchin he, what was he the minister of do you remember he was a finance guy he was, yeah. a, he was a minister in uh, Howard's conservative government yep and he's a massive anthropogenic climate change denier yep. um, and the whole premise of the show sets up a false balance because yeah. it's got two people going around arguing about it. And I appreciate the, the intent of it, but as Peter points out in his post, it immediately sets it up like there actually is an argument to have, really. And it's, it's, and, you know, it's a good, interesting, um, documentary, et cetera. I haven't watched the thing, but, you know, it does immediately start with the premise that there is something to argue about. Yeah. Well, um, there, there is something to argue about with respect to the science because um, I think that, but the fact that it's happening is no longer arguable. I think it, like most of these things where the argument within the scientific community occurring is basically how bad it's going to be. Yeah, how bad Not, it's going to be and then yeah, what to what do are about the, it. What are the impacts? Yeah, and then what to do yeah. about it is a legitimate thing uh, to I argue think, about too. Yeah, and 
the discourse has changed from trying to prevent it from happening to basically what what geoengineering now mm. can we do to Tackle stop it? Mitigate yeah. it, yeah. yeah so, because it's all well and good yeah. in the West where overall still going to be fine. But, you know, islands like Kiribati, they've barely got any island as it is. Well, yeah, what happens with these sorts of things as well is that generally that um, the developed societies who you could argue are the ones who have produced the problem through their, industrial, through their <laughs> industrialization are also the ones who are the most equipped and have the most capacity to manage yeah. it as well. So, yeah. Although I, for one, am really quite enjoying this mild winter. Yeah, uh, I am too. <laughs> Although, yeah, I was going to say it's actually started to get cool. It was a little bit cold yeah. this morning. I, yeah, I wore gloves was, when I rode my bike. It yeah. must have been, what, all of 18 degrees? Yeah, 18 degrees. <laughs> so I put some gloves on. My hands were a little bit cold. <laughs> yeah. I put my big ski gloves on. Yeah. It's really quite embarrassing. Uh, okay, look, I think that um, we'll, we'll do it for this podcast. So uh, just a reminder again to listeners, um, one way of supporting the podcast is to buy a copy of the ebook, the second edition. Uh, check out the Skeptics Field Guide net there's free versions of the first edition um there as well so you can check out the first edition but, but you don't want to do that you want to get the new one don't you well see? have a look at it and then just realize that pretty much everything in it is wrong yeah uh and and or not written very well uh, the there's oh, direct and you put deliberate errors in as well haven't you yeah okay. any error you find yeah. was deliberate and if you send me where the error was i'll be able to confirm for you whether you picked it or not and then perhaps update the book to fix that error. I mean, fix a deliberate thing to check, see if, you, if you've been paying attention. Uh, there is, um, it's available now on iBooks as well. So uh, Kindle, Google Play or Lulu and iBooks. Uh, if you get the chance, leave a review for the podcast on iTunes or any other podcatcher that does reviews, but a review on iTunes and a rating uh, really helps, as does a review of the book if you want to review it on Amazon or, or any, anywhere else as well. Any feedback, ideas or suggestions, you can email me directly at theo.clark at skepticsfieldguide.net or you can tweet me at theojclark on Twitter. Um, okay. Thanks That's for that, it. Yep. See you next week. Okay, we'll see you next week. You've been listening to Hunting Humbug 101.